Welcome back. So Adnan, good that you're still here with us. Welcome to you all. It's great to see you up here with us today. I don't know if you caught any of the end of that conversation, but we were talking about business models and how you adapt and change. So MSL, uh, founder and CEO of the KK Group, we actually spoke just a few weeks ago yeah. about just this. About this, we, we were like yeah. having a good old bit, weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to put it quite like that, but sure. <laughs> um, so we were talking about innovating and how you have to adapt. So I think for anybody that doesn't know, uh, we should explain a little bit about what your business does because I'm sure everyone's going to be fascinated. So tell them how you got started, what you were doing <coughs> and what you're doing now. Um, so we, I launched, um, more, more people are more familiar with the name Killing Kittens. So that's sort of the business that was launched 17 years ago, which, which stemmed from um, a very, sort of an anger in me. I grew up in the Middle East, um, um, had a very military, hardcore dad, like women know your place, and this anger sort of had grown in me since little of kind of, well, if boys can do it, why can't I? And when, as a kid, it sort of started with, well, boys are climbing trees, why I got, you know, I want to climb trees. And then it went on to, well, I'm going to play the trombone because no one else in the school played the trombone who was a female. And it sort of then moved into the dating world of, well, you know, boys can sleep around and do whatever they like, and they're patted on the back and called legends, so, and girls are sort of slut-shamed, um, and, you know, there was all this shame and guilt within. Um, within girls. So it's sort of as I got older and then kind of moved into early 20s working in London um, um, on that front. So yeah, early 20s and then kind of had her quite like some nasty experiences in the workplace in the city um, and then went, right, so this, I'm going to launch a, a business that sort of lets women explore their sexuality and feel empowered and do what they want and have conversations. Um, and, you know, if you read the Daily Mail headlines, it's sort of, it's all about sex parties, which apparently is all our business is, um, which it isn't. Um, and so that's how it started, of sort of this safe space for women to feel in control when it came to their sexuality. And then um, it, as the world's evolved into the digital world, the online side has sort of snowballed and got bigger and bigger. Um, and basically for the last six years, it's, it's a tech business and sort of think of like an adult social network meets dating site meets sort of WhatsApp chat app, which kind of, yeah, in a nutshell, <laughs> is what Killing Kittens is. It's very difficult to explain in 30 seconds. Well, well, absolutely fascinating. I'm sure there'll be some people Googling that on the way home. Um, so how, how have things, you, you mentioned there about you've, you've had to pivot to the online world. Um, how much of that did you kind of plan in intricate detail and how much of it was just in the kind of doing? Um, so we, it was sort of 2017 that I kind of looked, looked at the figures and realised that actually most of our revenue was, probably 60% of our revenue was coming from online. So we had spent the two years previous to COVID hitting um, building this tech, which was always launching in the summer and end of 2020. So timing wise, it was sort of perfect timing for on the tech side of things, but we didn't really expect 40% of our revenue, which was the event side, to kind of just suddenly stop um, for 18 months. So it was sort of a real juxtaposition, and yeah, it's been kind of two halves <laughs> when it comes to our business the last two years. It's sort of been great for the online tech side um, to a sitting you know, audience all locked down. Um, with nothing else to do, so that's been brilliant, but then the event side has sort of literally been no revenue for 18 months. Um, but we had, you know, we had a week to kind of change all 
uh, to see how much event side we could change into virtual. So we moved, we do a lot of sex education type events, workshops from, you know, Tantric Massage, The Beginner's Guide to BDSM, anything kind of adult education, how to date, post me too, confidence. Um, so suddenly within a week, luckily because we had tech, we were able to flip those events into virtual. Derry, yeah. uh, by the power of technology, I think we're now joined by Derry, Llewellyn, Davey. So can you hear me, Derry? Can hear you. I'm hoping you can hear me. Can you hear, hear me? me? I Why don't you tell me a little bit about the British Business Bank and how you are working with uh, SMEs. Uh, yep. When they get finance from you guys, is it typically to invest in their kind of current offering or is it to pivot and try and do something new or is it a mixture of both? Yep. So, yeah, not, not as an interesting a story, but so British Business <laughs> Bank is it's the government's economic development bank. So, so we, our, our role is to, to, to work wherever possible with, with existing sort of industry and, and where necessary outside of that industry to try and fill in those gaps where perhaps the, the, the market isn't working. I mean, what, what we've been sort of doing and where we've been focusing, obviously the COVID loan schemes have been a big part of our role for the last couple of years. But, but beyond that, it is trying to spot those opportunities where we can work with partners or, as I say, independently to, to, to support businesses. The, the area which I, I'm, I'm involved with, which I think is particularly interesting, is the startup loans. So it's a really interesting market. So it's very much that early stage. So we support early stage businesses with relatively small, small amounts of funding, up to sort of £25,000. But I think the behaviours and what we see in that, that group over the last two years, I think it's been quite, quite fascinating. I think there has been there has been that shift towards uh, whether it, whether the whether the community is the right word or not I don't know but as people have been working from home more and and the sort of the traditional sort of structure of of working patterns have changed you've re we've really seen those startups sort of evolve their their model to, to orientate around sort of social media and 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 communities more than they ever had before uh, I think the other sort of area which I think has been particularly interesting is how many people are starting up their businesses now. And, and for the first time. So the area where we've been spending a lot of time is, is actually around sort of education and working with the entrepreneurs because we have business advisors that support them and also various programs of support. Because I think there's a lot of people that start coming out either supplementing their, their, their regular work or, or for sad reasons being sort of forced into sort of launching their business or, or actually just thinking because of the, the last couple of years, do you know what, it's, the time is now to do that thing I've always wanted to do. So there's a lot more kind of innovation and more, in, more important, I think, that sort of more people have the courage to step into their, their, their kind of dream of being an entrepreneur. And so I think for us, a lot of our work, as well as the funding, has been concentrating on that support infrastructure that you put around that, that entrepreneur to give them the best chance of success. Mm -hmm. But it's been an interesting couple of years. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to coming back to you to talk about how you're supporting female entrepreneurs in particular. <laughs> Emma, we're going to pick that up. I know it's something you're passionate about. But before we do that, um, and I believe we've just lost Derry again for a second, so we will come back to him. Phil, good to see you again. Nice to see you again too. Um, I believe you've got a new job since we last saw you here on the Elite Business Live stage. That's correct, isn't it? Yes, correct. So I've added... Uh, so I've always been head of education at Capitalise. I've now added head of education and engagement. Mm. I mean, what that really means is I'm bringing our message out there to, to the people and going out and, and meeting people and running events and, and actually doing 
what we've always loved doing in the fintech world, which is getting together in big rooms, handing out some really impressive merchandise, uh, including some socks that I got from an event yesterday, actually. Well, you've got uh, another pair now to add to your collection. There's some Starling socks floating around. Oh, I, I'm a, well, there's a big story there, actually. I'm a huge fan of the Starling socks. I think I now own three pairs. Um, <laughs> you've got to watch out for you. You're I am go a, right I'm a, so, I'm a socks. sock hound, right? <laughs> um, but look, it, it's coming and bringing the capitalised message out there to accountants. So we predominantly work with accountants, uh, and that's our kind of route to market. Um, and what we do is we work with businesses like Starling and, and other lenders to kind of encourage advisor-led funding. So it's actually when businesses need funding, it's actually who can help you, who's best placed to put what you need and, and what the banks and, and lenders are looking for and kind of enhance and supercharge that. And, and that's kind of been what we've done since 2016, which is fantastic. And, and it keeps growing from strength to strength. And we now work with over 135 lenders in the UK, uh, across all forms of lending. Uh, so we can really support businesses at whatever stage they're at, because it's not all just about growth funding. It's, it's about specialist funding. It's about secured funding. It's about you know, helping startups with grants and other products as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm really glad you said that. So it, it really is horses for courses, right, when it comes to finance. And there'll be lots of businesses in the room that aren't in the market for, you know, it's very impressive, that kind of growth, um, the, the funding story that you shared of Starling Bank. But for most people, I think it's fair to say, most of the business owners that I speak to, that's not quite the growth journey that they're on. Uh, we haven't talked yet about bootstrapping. Phil, bootstrapping has its place, doesn't it? Oh, like, if you look at most fintech businesses, oh, that's how should they... Should we explain what we need, mean by bootstrapping? Yeah, so effectively starting your business with what you have in, in the bank, right, or, or what you can beg, borrow, and, and definitely not steal, but beg and borrow <laughs> from other people. And it's like, so it's, it's just running that business hand-to-mouth almost and, and just starting at the most... And we were having a fascinating conversation mm. about bootstrapping backstage, actually, <laughs> and saying, actually, the challenge now is around that bootstrapping piece isn't actually just in the, the finance side, but it's in the recruitment side and the people side. And that's actually where some of the bigger challenges are. But uh, yeah, most fintech businesses start as bootstrap businesses. And as they grow and, and, and prove their concept and prove their point, they then bring on additional funding and additional funding and, and eventually become profitable, mm -hmm. is the hope. So Adnan, I'd like to bring you in here. What do you mm. think is often that kind of tipping point between, you know, with the customers that you see at Starling, that they decide they need to go for some more, you know, funding? Yeah, I, I think there's two things, right? One is, um, where, you know, I alluded to earlier about where you are in your growth cycle. Um, so if you're established enough to actually move away from bootstrapping, so whether you're, it's loans or whether you're raising further equity. Um, but also I think there's an element of, and this is a second point, is what you where you see your business going um if you think it's going to be a, a multi-billion dollar company then giving away equity and at least in the early days could work for you because five percent of a billion is a lot of money um but if you see yourself actually this is a and you know this is a hundred million business obviously you want more um you want more share in that so i think those are the really the tipping points at which point which point you start thinking about okay what is the return to me or my shareholders and actually how can i then increase that by the type of financing I'm getting. Mm -hmm. And what about loans? So I see we've got a question here about loans. We're talking about kind of debt funding, equity funding, but you know, a straightforward bank loan, you must do some of those. Yeah. Well, we've done about two billion. So. 
All right, they need to show off. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, it has its place, doesn't it? Why might you need a loan? So I think a loan is is a really good way to not give up control of your business. Um, Getting a loan, you can measure the cost of that. Obviously, you have to return that money, and it could be useful for certain activities or certain spurts of growth. And there's a bit more... if you have a track record behind a business, if you can evidence cash flows, it's a lot easier to get a loan than it is to raise equity from um, VCs or even from friends and family, right? Um, but I also would suggest if you, have, if you have friends and family, you can lend you money. You should also use that because you're never going to get a rate as good as you would from your friends or your family than you would from a bank. But obviously, there are other considerations with that. I was going to say, it depends how much they like you, really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so did you hear that, Emma? Apparently, it's easy to get a, a, a loan from your bank. Has that been your experience? You know what's in my legs getting tight? I'm, I'm, I'm going to duck in this <laughs> Yeah, what's um, been your experience with, with banks, but also just financing in general? And I know it's a tricky space, isn't it? Not everybody is going to, you know, understand the product or the, the customer that you're trying to it's serve. A tricky, it's a tricky one because, um, you know, obviously we, this is what we were talking about um, earlier, is sort of we, I mean, we're slightly different because we do tick different boxes. So, you know, we have the added hurdle of the industry is considered adult. So that what has what we've seen actually actually it's got a lot worse in the last three years. So I mean for example we got a funding circle on loan three years ago, paid it all off, went for them again last year and got told that it wouldn't suit their investors, the nature of so it's it's has it's got worse than the last couple of years um on that front. But then also, you know, you take the industry out. Um, the high-growth tech businesses are stuck with most high-tech businesses won't be in profit for probably five years. And a lot of, you know, we found it two years ago when we went for sort of C-bills and bounce-back loan is because we weren't in profit in 2019, despite the fact we'd raised a million pounds between 2018 and 2019, um, we weren't entitled to the, any of those loans because our 2019 accounts weren't in profit. So there's definitely a kind of a very rigid old-school banking system of you've got to tick the boxes and they don't take, there's no consideration for you know, that the way tech businesses work and the agility involved and every week's different and the speed at which they grow and, the sp- and actually the, the churn and the burn rate that is needed to build these tech businesses and, make, and most, most of them will not be in profit for five years. They really won't. If you look back at, you know, the Facebooks and everything, they, they aren't. You think they are, but when you look at the history of most of these really successful businesses, they're, they're not. So um, I do think there's a real issue between that old school, <laughs> the way loans are given out and the tick boxes involved and the people working in the banks who make the decisions, not understanding the way tech works. Mm-hmm. So I think there needs to be a bit of a merge well, <laughs> we were talking about earlier of actually putting people who understand that within the banks to make the decisions and get rid of that really rigid old school tick. tick. So we didn't, yeah, we couldn't get any of those loans. So we had to go for the future fund. Um, line, which was the most ridiculous system of we need money, but we've got to raise money in order to get money um, in the middle of a pandemic. So, so that, makes that sense. was our option. Well, <laughs> let's raise some of your gripes for two guys here who I think can help. <laughs> so, Adnan, would you uh, give Emma a loan? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I am joking. Um, look, I, I think it's, it, it is complex, and I, I, I think you're right, it is difficult, particularly with. Um, some of the older banks and how they approach lending. Um, I think it's, uh, for, the, for those type of things, I mean, I feel like I'm telling you something which you already know, <laughs> but obviously the equity raising and um, 
um, any grants or any other opportunities out there is usually a good future app, but sometimes it's not enough. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. And what about, what about you, Richard? Obviously, perhaps explain a little bit of your background, right? Yeah. So you've been in and around banking for a while. Yeah. Uh, you look good for it. Um, but <laughs> how, uh, how do you think Emma's um, experiences kind of resonate with you? Is that something you're hearing a lot of? And is it something that the banking industry needs to get better at, frankly? I think, I, th- I mean, Emma's business is, like, like every business, unique. But, but the, the fundamentals, I think, of banking are, are still there, which is it's about that sort of risk and return. And so well, the challenge for any business is effectively explaining why the risk is less than they perceive it to be and, why, and then have that conversation about how much sort of return they want. So, you know, one end of the spectrum, the VC who want a sort of big chunk as opposed to your sort of more traditional lending that will take a smaller percentage rate. Um, and... and I think one of the, the, the key factors in all, it, it's, of course, you have digital systems and processes, but when you start having that sort of conversation, it's around confidence. It's, the comp, it's that, that banker having the confidence that, you know what, I'm going to fundamentally make a decision about the business. And so I think, and again, we were sort of, we were talking about it, it's around that sort of translation. And so for anybody, it's how do you translate your business to, to increase the confidence of the person you're, you're talking to? And it's been conscious that the, the, the more innovative your business is, the more difficult sometimes it becomes because the innovation in itself is a risk because you've got, you're sat in front of someone who's going, oh, I've never seen that before, I don't quite understand. So it's, it, is, it does sometimes take longer to explain it, but does, does the industry have to get better? Of, of, of course it does. And I think you know, the, the, the last five years, there's been huge change in the industry and the range of different providers that are out there. And I think that's a, that's a really powerful, positive thing. And there, there is sort of change, but perhaps... Maybe the last two years has knocked us back a little bit because perhaps there's that little bit of conservatism where, you know, people are sort of thinking, okay, I'm, my confidence is reduced. So again, it's that putting the effort in and the energy in, and you know, should you have to, maybe, maybe not. But it's that that effort to to raise the confidence of the person or the organisation you're talking to to help them understand why your business is a lower risk than they perhaps perceived it, particularly if they've not come across that before. Mm-hmm. And how about for you, Phil, when you're speaking to, you know, kind of business owners uh, or, or via your advisor network, um, you know, what are your kind of tips for them when speaking to investors? It's, it's interesting, right? You face uh, such a unique set of challenges being the type of business you are and, and the market you're in, but it all comes down to the same thing. It's being able to, to work with people that you can sell a story to, right? That's all investment is really is selling that story of your business and it's finding the right person to be able to sell that story to one of the ways that kind of we work and, and our business model works is exactly that it's having a, a wide panel of lenders experts in the middle and then being able to to know which expert to take that story to to then get the investment now it's not easy and sometimes you are going to find businesses that sit outside of that and and there are always going to be challenges but if you think how far banking's come right back in 2008 there were five banks institutional lenders it was really tough to get a business loan it was very dependent on your bank manager and what they perceived of the business and the credit underwriting and everything else since then we now have 360 lenders in the uk ish it it ebbs and flows and offering thousands and thousands of products so we have come an incredible way in 14 years are we there yet absolutely not and is there more to come absolutely and we should absolutely be looking at businesses based on what they can do and what they are doing rather than what they do Mm. as such right and what their story is because let's be honest if you went to most banks back in 2008 with facebook and said do you want to invest some money in this kind of social network thing for people that are kind of cool most banks and most banks did would have turned around and gone 
not a chance, right? So it's about selling that story and it's about selling it to the right person and knowing who they are. Mm -hmm. And speaking of selling it to the right person, I can see we've got a question about angel investors. And Adnan, this is something you mentioned earlier about kind of, um, I think, borrowing money from friends and family. I don't know about most of the people in this room, but if I went to my friends and family and asked them to invest in me, that they might give me 10 quid and half a packet of facts. <laughs> but um, for most people, you know, raising these big rounds of angel investment, it's, it, it, you know, it, it doesn't really work. But there are networks out there, aren't there? So um, a couple of you, if I could get some tips, maybe Adnan, how do people reach out into their networks and perhaps find angel investors? And Emma, I believe you've had angel investment at the beginning, didn't you? So, um, and was that via your friends and family network? So come to you, Adnan, first. Sure. Um, so I think that there's networks out there that you can plug into because there are a group of people that do come together and form angel networks. Um, so that's the first thing. Um, the second thing I'll say is that you need to make sure that you are not put off by the no's because there are going to be many, many no's and persevering in that, in your belief in your business, if it's just at the idea stage or if, even if you're taking it further, it's actually backing yourself and going out and knocking on many, many doors because that's the hit rate for raising equity or raising any funds is, is very low. And you only need one person to say yes before it, 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 you know, it'll never become a waterfall, but for it then to actually become easier to raise the following rounds. Mm -hmm. So, um, Emma, we were just talking about angel investment, but also um, I think it's important what Adna just said about kind of knocking on doors. I know you've had a real journey with <laughs> this. So, like, how do, you, how do you keep going? How um, do you kind of pick we, yourself up? We, um, well, actually, yeah, I didn't, we didn't get any investment for the first, like, decade of running the business. I mean, my dad went bankrupt the year I launched. I think that was his way of saying, I'm not having any part of this madness, <laughs> thank you. Um, you're not even getting a tenner. Um, so, um, but on that, it was very much, you know, I started a business and it, the events were very much part of it. So there wasn't, I could bootstrap. You could do one event a month and it kind of, I, you know, as I thought as long as I can just about pay my rent and that was sort of the, per for the first five years. And then um, we, I needed, we went down the investment route probably five, yeah, six years ago, um, because that's when I looked at the numbers and thought that it's more than 50% is online and actually it's go big or go home time and Me Too had just happened and, you know, all this kind of female sort of sided, the fire under, you know, everyone's female's bellies had sort of been lit and it was kind of, right, if either I can do it, having had a decade of building the foundations, um, or some Silicon Valley upstart's going to come flying over the top with millions and create a platform claiming to be aimed at females. Um, so it was sort of, that was when... Um, and again, we, but I went out speaking to VCs and it was sort of very much, no, 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 don't want to get involved, can't be seen to be getting involved. The numbers, yeah, on paper are great. And if you're any other industry, then it'd be a no-brainer. So it was then that actually, um, it was all about, you know, we had a big community and membership and massive advocacy and loyalty. Um, so that's when we made the call of to go down the crowd route. Um, and yeah, so we went out to the members and that's how we launched, we, we raised 2018 and 2019 and actually we're opening another one next week, which again, November, December, I was, we were going out to VCs and we've, on paper, the figures are there, it's 17 years, you know, and everyone was saying, everyone we spoke to, were like, these figures are amazing, the growth is brilliant, especially in a pandemic, if you were any other industry, no brainer. Um, so it was in January, we made the decision and went, right, this, we're going, we're going crowd again and went out to our members and we've had 1.5 million pledged and that's a mixture of a thousand to 50,000 um, of, we've got 200,000 members, so it's sort of, it's, yeah. 
Did you find that that kind of restored your faith in you yeah. know the universe at that point? Yeah, and people, and also it kind of reminds you that actually you know you can have so much noise and like that, and the implication that what you're doing is wrong that you can kind of get very disheartened instead of we're joking upstairs that every day I think, oh, I'll just go and get a proper job. <laughs> just going and get salary, but it has been 17 years, so I'm not giving up just yet. Um, and it just, and then you get the emails from members, just how it's changed their lives. And then you just go, actually, you are doing something, you are making a difference. And yeah, so um, yes, yeah, so that again, we're going down. Um, but again, we did Cedars the first couple of rounds and they've changed loads of their T's and C's in the last year. They want, you know, they're very more rigid. So we've played a bit of a playoff between Crowdcube and Cedars and we're going to open up on Crowdcube next week. Okay, well, um, good luck thank for you. that. <laughs> um, I, I think it raises a few points as well around kind of women-led businesses getting funding. When we um, opened the show this morning, we were talking about the fact that less than 1% of uh, venture capital goes to female founders, which is atrocious. Um, Richard, I, we actually spoke about this last year. I remember putting you on the spot <laughs> backstage asking you about the proportion of startup loans, etc., that goes to female-led businesses. So can you give us a bit of an update on that and how you know you guys are addressing it uh, within yeah. the British Business Bank yeah so it's I mean it's a real it's a really hot sort of hot topic and something we we obviously think about a lot I mean I think startup loans is has a has a strong performance but it's in that strong but could do better um, so 41 percent of our, our our loans go to sort of female founders which which again some of the historic data is sort of good is a is a good performance I think though even just the recent Rose report where yeah, some good statistics in there which suggest that yeah, you've got sort of parity in actually starting up a business. So that says, you know, I've sort of said to myself, well, actually, we've been celebrating our 41%, but maybe in the last year, yeah, maybe we, we need to think we have to do better. But, but I think it is a strong performance when we look at the underlying sort of startup rates. Um, the, the, the reasons why are clearly much more difficult. And if I had a if I had a sort of a, 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 an easy answer, then it would be an easy solution. And I think there's always that risk of kind of broad brush comments being made about it uh, I, yeah, because it's, there's, there's lots of factors in there. But I do think, you know, when, I, when I think about startup loans particularly and, and why it is successful, I, I do think some of it is around the, the, the way the scheme is designed to, to work with not, not just female founders, but, but many that struggle to access the mainstream system for a variety of reasons. And part of it is that... Um, working alongside people. So it's not just throwing it into a system and a process that may or may not be uh, with barriers or dis disadvantageous, but actually having sort of the business advisors to work with the founders. And I think some of it is around um, working with and giving the confidence the funding is available and it is possible. And actually it can, you can break through some of those challenges. So I, I think I put a lot of our success in this area down to our business advisors that work with the applicants to help them on that journey. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it, it is a challenge. I think you know, on, when we talk about investment and angels, I, th I do think part of the solution and the areas which I think are most interesting is where, you, where people are looking at not just the, the number of successful female founders accessing funding, but actually the number of um, female angels or female investors and that kind of trying to get parity on both sides of the equation. Mm -hmm. but, but it's a difficult, it's a difficult question, but mm -hmm. I do think we're making progress. Yeah, in, 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 and it's also about, you mentioned about it being a journey, it's very much a journey, right? So uh, startup is one thing, but then getting more women scaling businesses, yeah. like what Emma's yeah. trying to do. So 41% uh, is great at startup phase, but it's then how we nurture those, I guess, for the future and 
get them to continue to grow their businesses. Uh, we've got a question about online banks. Are online banks the future? I'm sure you will say yes. We don't need to ask you that one. Uh, do you think traditional banks are no longer viable for small businesses? Uh, so, Phil, I can see you look engaged by this question. You mentioned earlier, was it 260 uh, lenders out there? 360. 360. Um, are traditional banks viable for small businesses? Yes, but are online and digital offerings bringing a new and much more innovative way of working? Absolutely, right? Traditional banks will always be there, but they're always tied by specific lending criteria. What I like about the online and the digital space is there's so many lenders filling so many niches and so many gaps that the big banks won't do. So if you can get a loan from your bank, it's probably going to be cheaper. It's probably going to be on better terms. It's probably going to be a good loan. Right? If you can get it. But for everyone else, there are lenders out there that are creative and innovative. So no, I don't think, I don't think small banks are no longer viable, but I definitely think they're facing some serious challenge, and as it should be. And as I hope, hopefully, as we were discussing backstage, that will force traditional banks to raise their game as well and compete with the, the digital lenders and the online banks. And then the whole space gets much better. Mm-hmm. Richard. Yeah, I was just going it, to, it, it's sort of aligned to that conversation we were having earlier around sort of bootstrapping or VC or loans. And it's, and I kind of feel that the general answer should always be, well, actually should be, a, in most cases, a blend. So, so you know, it's, you know, so I always think one of the big problems early stage businesses is, is they, they use that bootstrap money and the friends and family money and they, they will burn through that really quickly and then go, right, what next? Actually, sometimes hold some of that money back and if you can access lending, do both or sort of blend, you know, make sure that the funding matches what the need is and think about the strategy of the funding. But I think it then plays through to the same thing around the industry that I think that, that you know, the days of just having one bank, I think, are gone or going. And I think that having a blend of financial services organisations that perhaps help you in lots of different ways is the way to look at it. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that, you know, of course, if, if what your provider gives you everything you need, great, good luck to you. But actually, keep looking at what's my blend of financial services support. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And also, I think one thing I've learned as a journalist, I interviewed somebody for Sunday Times yesterday, um, and she has changed banks at various stages of her business's growth. So what didn't, you know, what suited her at the startup phase, then, you know, one to three million that she chose a different bank for that need. And now she's gone to a much bigger global bank as she, you know, expands internationally. So I think whilst it's a massive faff, I'm sure, I don't know, I don't own a business, to change bank, it is possible and that might be the right solution. So thank you very much, all of you. That was fantastic, Richard, Emma, Phil, Adnan. Thank you very much for your contributions right. this afternoon. You can go with Scott. So just a reminder that the next keynote session is in the main studio here with me at 3.30. We have Dr. Grace Togan Alugbodi, who will be talking to us about overseas expansion, how she got started. Can't wait to hear from her. And then the panel directly after that will be about going global and how uh, I think we've got all the way through today without talking about Brexit too much. So Brexit is back, how Brexit and COVID have altered the playing field when it comes to international expansion and that'll be starting at four. But if you do fancy a change from the main stage, if I have bored you without any of Ollie's jokes to keep you entertained, you can go through to our breakout session, which is starting at 3.30. So that's Mark Trowbridge, who's founder of Connex Hub, who is delivering his session on how all businesses should consider freelance staff. And that will be taking place in our interactive breakout studio 
here in London. However, for those of you watching online, you'll need to register by clicking on the What's On tab on the top of your screen and clicking on Interactive Breakout Sessions. Phew. Right, um, for those of you here in the room, you can join us back here on the main stage at 3.25. Um, and for those of you at home, I'm now handing you over to Ollie, who is very excited to be doing his first backstage interview. Ollie, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear, Hannah. Uh, yes, I am very excited. I'm sorry you've been missing my jokes. I was going to make a sock joke for you, Hannah, but then I'd only put my foot in it. Um, I thought that was very good and top marks for making a financial panel genuinely great and interesting. So kudos to you and the guests for that. Uh, I've got questions for them, but uh, I know you're going to have a short break in that main room and uh, I welcome our audience tuning in online and uh, on catch up as well. So thanks for being with us here. Hannah, I'll see you later, okay. by the way. Now, Adnan, come and say uh, hello, Adnan um, Ahmed, meeting our guests maybe for the first time or maybe they caught your keynote. Yeah. I enjoyed what you had to say. Right. Um, your customers, is it a certain type of business that's the banks with Starling? Yeah, so I think like, we're, we're always in continually improving our offering. Uh, we won 100 million from the Capability Innovation Fund to actually increase competition in the SME market. Mm. So a lot of our customers are currently in the smaller end of the, in, in the SME segment. Uh -huh. So, you know, it's uh, sole traders, it's micro businesses with uh -huh. one to two employees. Uh -huh. Um, and actually, what we're seeing is those businesses are, that are successful are growing and staying with us. And actually, as we build our offering, we're going, attracting larger and larger businesses. So, so, so that goes back to a point that um, Richard Behrman from the British yeah. Business Bank made on the panel, which I was very yeah. much enjoying, which is almost about this idea of outgrowing a bank. And you yeah. seem to be saying, no, 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 we'll hold on to you. I, I, and I think over time it will be because we are, like I said, we won, uh, we got awarded that 100 million grant to yeah. actually continue building building our offering in order to serve those customers well into the future. Right. So um, I wonder what your opportunity is to connect your customers with each other. And that's one of the themes mm. of the morning in terms of community yeah. building. Mm -hmm. So how do you see that? Yeah, I, th I think um, we're talking about network effects here, right? Yeah. Talking about how you can create this flywheel of SME customers mm -hmm. who are working together and, and creating an even more powerful product. Oh. I think for us, um, it's, uh, you know, we provide a core offering huh? for them to run their business day to day. Uh, but we also leverage on the ecosystems with the marketplace. So we help businesses connect with accounting providers uh, in order to actually make the whole transition from, say, their old traditional bank easier into a, into a startup bank, or sorry, a digital bank, because then they can take their information with them. So when you say you help them connect, you're, you're physically making those introductions? Uh, so in some instances, but uh, sometimes it's the other way. And also we have market, and our marketplace product, we have accountancy integration, so right. someone can connect with a or, zero. Or but a what zero. about helping customers to meet each other in similar areas, geographies, industries? Is that a role you could play? I, I think so in the future. Oh. Um, it's um, something that we're thinking of developing. Uh, well, it's, it's in, our, still in our thinking, and yeah. we're, hopefully, it will. Time will tell. All right. So, if you took over Anne Bowden's job tomorrow with <laughs> Starling, then Anne will be pleased to ask you this question. Don't worry about that. Uh, uh, where would you like to see the bank go? Because you, you're clearly moving swiftly uh, yeah. th through it, and you've got a big picture yeah. of you, right? So, yeah, so yeah. What would you like to see the bank do? So, I think um, we need to focus on our customer, and we always have done, and we always will, mm -hmm. um, and actually continue innovating and creating useful products that help them in their daily lives, both from mm -hmm. the personal as well as the business right, side. Come on. Um, Come on. <laughs> uh, so we'll carry on with that. 
Yeah, go on, what would you like it. to do? Come on, because you take a few risks, right? What would you do? Yeah, so I think for us, it's international expansion and actually right. bringing the product um, and either whether we're powering other banks for our SaaS offering oh. and actually bringing this to SMEs worldwide will be huge. Yeah. So where are we going? America, too obvious. Um, in, in development, I can't, can't give you that bit of information just yet. Oh, I see. So watch this space. <laughs> Starlink will be flying <laughs> all over the world. You heard the murmuration here first. Right? <laughs> and, and, and I wish I had a bit longer with you, but I don't. So thank, thank you, you very much thank indeed. Thank you so much. And thanks for your support of the event as well. Yeah, really appreciate really it. Really love to see you. Thank you very thank much. Thank you. Cheers. Adnan Ahmed here. Here is uh, Phil Hobden's back in the house. Very nice to see you, Phil. Nice to see uh, you going on. I hope I'm welcoming guests into the uh, <laughs> sort of off pitch side space in the right way. I'll get told otherwise. Yeah, it's very nice to see you. How are very you? Very nice to see you. Yeah, very well. Thank you. Very well. Is there such thing as a sat-nav for businesses? Because I get the idea. It's a forest out there. We need to find our way through it. What's the closest thing we've got to a sat-nav? That's interesting. So business analytics is such an interesting field, right? So I used to work uh, in the fintech space in forecasting and reporting. So that, that's a very distinctive sat-nav for your financial health of your business. Right. But where we are now at Capitalize, we look at other things like credit health. Yeah. So actually, if you imagine that most things you do in business, whether it is looking at suppliers, whether it's looking at credit, insurance, going for funding, it all starts with a credit decision, right? Uh -huh. So if that credit piece isn't right within your business, then actually your fundamentals are, are wrong. Yeah. So actually, you definitely need a sat-nav for your business. Yeah. I would suggest, and I, I think we've talked about this every year I've been here, but accountants, the, that advice a piece are probably one of the best sat nav for your business because they can give you that advice, connect you with the right technology, and help you along the journey towards funding, towards growth. Right. I'm going to come back on, on, on the credit point, I'll come back to that. But on the particular accountants as the guide bit, yeah. is there, I'm talking in literal terms, is there a place where I can go, look, I'm this type of business, I'm raising this amount of money, what are my options? Does that, where would I go for that? So you're talking from an accountant's perspective? No, but from, no, from, from, a business from a business perspective, particularly yeah. if I'm looking to lend or have, you know, equity or, um, or, or sort of some lending. So it's, ah, it's interesting, right? So if you're a business out there and like, where can I go and get funding? There are platforms mm. out there, like ours, for example, you can go out there and actually physically put an application on our platform and look at where your business is and where it's going to go and what we could potentially help you with. Yes. But again, I still say that, that that's a strong way forward, but it's what else do you need to get your business fit for that? Because yeah. again, if I was going to run a marathon tomorrow, let's be honest, I would probably drop there at mile two or three. Mm -mm -mm. I need to train, I need to get fit, I need to get mm -mm -mm -mm. ready, right? And actually. Businesses are the same. If they're looking at that long-term growth, they need to start getting their business fit at the early stages. So this, by the way, I should say, is Phil Hobson from Capitalize, um, head of engagement now, congrats. Thank it's, you. It's all, it's all happening. On that credit point, though, presumably we're talking about scoring not just a, an organization, but also the people within it. Yeah. I mean, uh, and the data that fuels that is ever-changing, ever-evolving. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important when you're looking at business, especially small businesses, credit decisions are based on the business and their history, but they're also based on the people as well. Right. So you need to be in a good place for yourself to then be able to support that business. Right. Because lenders do look at that. They want to look at the people that are behind the business and make sure that they're in a good place mm. as well as the business that they're investing in as well. Right. And I heard they're scoring your social media. For example, you might not have thought about that. Well, I mean, it's not, not something that we touch on specifically, but absolutely, like, it's amazing how that piece is ever evolved. Right. 
And actually, they look at the business, they look at what you do, who yeah. you are, your history. Yeah. You know, I've been, I remember applying for a job once many years ago and someone going onto a Wikipedia page <laughs> oh, that existed about me 10 years before that and asking me questions on that, right? So everything is in play these days, yeah. absolutely everything. All right, well, that puts us on high alert, doesn't it? That's for sure. <laughs> so, so what do you say then, Phil, um, to someone who thinks, you say, do you know what? Your relationship with your accountant is basic and you're playing chopsticks on a Steinway. So give us some advice about how to make more of that relationship. Because you work with so many thousands of accountants yeah. across I mean, the country. Firstly, it's have the right accountant for your business, right? It's yeah. like, again, like anything, they're specialists. Right. So make sure you're using the right specialist for your business. Uh. And they've got experience in what you're doing. They've got experience in, in growing or, or what you want to do. Secondly, make sure they understand your business, right? Like, they need to understand how you want to get there and be able to advise you on that. And if all of that isn't working or, or if they're not giving you the attention that you need, there are thousands of accountants out there and there are thousands of great accountants out there. Don't be afraid to switch it up. Yeah, like, like with a bank, right? If you're not happy with your bank, you move. If you're not happy with your accountant, move. But ho hopefully the industry is taking a huge step up and we're seeing more and more everyday accountants just bringing more and more to the client piece. Yeah. And that true, what we call it in our industry, the advisory relationship, right? Yeah. Where it's, it's more than just being there to do your annual returns and, and everything else. It's about actually being there to advise you and support you on that growth. Right, I get the feeling we should be considering some promiscuity here. It's just <laughs> that idea that an accountant's not for life, dare no, I say. No, absolutely not. Accountant has to prove to you that of their worthiness for your businesses, you have to, to be for them, right? It, it's, right? it's a transactional relationship. Okay, I'm sending some love to Phil at this point. My accountant couldn't be where I, where I am without him. Phil Monk, thank you very much. Uh, thank you so much. Over oh, Phil, uh, Phil Hobden, thank you. always a pleasure to see you. Always a pleasure. Thank you so thank, much. So we're sort of backstage, aren't we, at Elite Business Live, sort of doing a sort of wrap-up as I welcome back uh, Emma Sale. Lovely to see you, Emma. Um, Ollie, it's lovely to meet you properly today. Yeah. Big admirer of what you've done. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, it sounds like you've had a few battles over the years. Who, who stood by you? Because I always think it's good to call out the people that just didn't waver. Um, do you know what? It's sort of I always I always say that I've, you know I'm still going because I've still got a whole lot of people to prove wrong. But actually, I've kind of changed that in the last year to go. Well, actually, I've got I want to prove the people right who uh -huh. have stood by me for yeah. 17 years. So the friends that didn't go. Oh my God, I can't be seen to be friends with you because yeah. you're doing this and you're crazy. And so it's sort of. But it's what has been amazing is seeing the ones that sort of ditched me at the start come out of the woodwork in the last five years because suddenly it's cool. And right. they're like, okay, and I'm like, no, I've got an elephant memory, and there's a yeah. Yeah, a I, list I remember of, that yeah. step back that you mm. did. All, all, all back well, there's in the that day. whole that whole kind of you know a lot. Of, yeah, not many people will ride the bus with you, but they want to get in the limo. So, um, really, uh, unless mm. it's the tour bus on the Rockstar yeah, tour, and then they're back that, on the bus. Or the big RV. We, we, should <laughs> we should remind everyone, the KK Group, which you founded, Emma, um, lots of misconceptions around it. T tell us what it does embrace now. It's so it's it, well the whole sex positivity um, movement. So it's everything. What started as sort of empowering women and giving them a safe platform to explore their sexuality and have the conversations and not be judged and no shame is sort of the way the world of sexuality has evolved in the last 17 years. It's sort of it's a minefield now. So it's sort of a thousand shades of um, gender out there. So it kind of to us it's sort of anyone that's felt disenfranchised or in the minorities or on the mar you know out in the extremes when it comes to their sexuality is sort of it's a safe space but yeah. very much with women at the core yeah. of it still yeah no got it yeah. so so <laughs> on that then um when you think about where you have found the best advice because because you've not got time to waste right mm -hmm. um where have you found that where have you sought out when you've reached a crossroads yeah who's been there 
Um, do you know what? I've always, I, in my, I've always been a hustler, and I, in my 20s, I was sort of getting, breaking into the old school kind of networking drink setups that were for like directors and CEOs, and the, it was mainly men who were in their 50s and 60s. And I was a bit of a sponge and just sort of would go in and just speak to people and get that energy from successful people and people who have been there and done it and ask questions. And so I've kind of got a group, you know, a group of people, and some of them are in their 70s now that I met in my 20s that have been really successful business-wise and I'll run things past them and have go and have a drink and it's that you know that I don't have sort of one person there's just a whole lot of people that at some point in my life I've met and found them interesting yeah. and it's found their a, energy good yeah. it's sort of a myth isn't it that there's yeah. one mentor no. in robes or something it's a bit it's a bit different mm. so so in terms of that wider movement around sort of sex positivity who do you see as almost fellow travellers? Because it's easy to see that you have been a sort of outrider in previous years. Are others joining the group? It's weird. It's kind of, yeah, I've sort of always been a bit of a lone wolf <laughs> kind of fellow traveller. You have to kind of take the blinkers off sometimes and look around and go, actually, you're not the only one um, out there. But I think on the women's front, we're very much a lone traveller. Um, there is a lot of different movements, you know, for, you know, within the LGBT um, plus sort of communities of people doing different events and different setups. And, um, but... Um, they're all different because we, we do events and also we have a social network and we also have a dating site element so it, and a sex education element to it. So it's sort of, there's different people that might do one of those yeah. things. It's, re yeah. it's really interesting because, Emma, because you, you were so clearly of your time because you had brilliant and very happy customers and yet in some ways you were ahead of your time and now it's almost like the world is waking up to what a what yeah. an amazingly there's powerful idea. That there's a lot of I told you so's that <laughs> come out at the moment. Well, sometimes it takes humility for them to say that back to you. Yeah, I don't say it. I just sort of, because I, 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 you know, we're still on a mission. We still, what you were talking about earlier, um, the guys about, that. you know, it's just sex. And, you know, we're talking about, it's a, you know, it's a business panel. But sometimes you get that shock. And I'm a part of our mission is to, like, just normalise that. Right. Because it's, you know, it's what drives all of us. So, 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 <laughs> what, so what, what do you say, just a final question, a slightly different question, Question, which is to somebody who's tuned in today and all they get told when they're growing their business, raising money, selling, is all they get told is no. And I'm not talking so much about business techniques as more personal techniques mm. because it's absolutely um, knocking them sideways and it can but, be very yeah. draining. But do you know what? I mean, one of the things I learned early doors and look back on is a lot of the people around when you start a business, the people closest to you, friends and family, are often the ones that say no and tell you what, because you are threatening your dynamics and your relationship and that they're not doing it, they're in a safe space and they think you're going to change and they've got that fear of your, your relationship. So they then project it and go, you can't do that, that's a really bad idea. Right. And so I always say, just ignore, ignore the haters, ignore, ignore the people around you and actually go, well, actually, that's more of their problem and their insecurities. Right. And, uh, you know, if your gut is telling you that it's a good idea and you really want to do it, you've just got to go for it and say, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? And my worst thing that could happen in my head was I'll just end up couch surfing on friend's sofas. So I was yeah. like, I can deal with that. So yeah. I'm going to do it. actually sounds yeah. pretty good sometimes. I'm yeah. <laughs> Emma, I have long admired what you've been doing. So thank, thank you so you. much for being with us today. Really lovely to meet you. Thank you. Lovely to meet you. That's Emma Sell from the KK Group. Uh, and uh, by no means least backstage, Richard Behrman. Come and say hi, Richard. Uh, it's very nice Hello, to see you again. Nice to see you again. I, I just doff my cap for how you've powered startup loans through everything that's been going on. Just remind anyone tuning in of the sort of numbers of people that you've been able to support. 
Well, so we support around 11, 11 to 12,000 every year yeah. sort of to, to support them in, their, in that startup journey by providing the funding. An average size, I know we cover this a bit with Hannah, but average size of loan, because it's so smaller than you about, might think. Yeah, about, the average size is about £12,500. Yeah, yeah. And, and a theme that runs through our day around community. I'm, desi- I'm interested how the scheme is designed, because it goes, yep. it's not just money, it's people. Yeah. Yeah, so, so the, I think the, the money is actually sort of the, the kind of the less important bit. I think that the, the magic in the scheme is actually the support infrastructure around the entrepreneur. And actually, I think there's also there's a lot more people we help than the, the, the folk that get their money as well, because rather than going through a sort of a computer automated process, there, there is a bit of selection at the beginning, but... but that 80% end up with a business advisor will then spend time with them talking about their business, talking about the opportunity, working them on their cash flow, their business plan, but also talking about other grant opportunities to, to get, as, as well as to get them credit ready, but to get them confident enough to yeah. feel, do you know what money, borrowing money is for me and this is what I want to do right. and this is why it's going to help. And with all due respect to advisors around the world, yeah. how happy are we that they have been there and done it themselves? Well, it's, it's a mix. So it's a mix. So we, we have we have a range of what we call delivery partners around the country, um, all all coming at it from a slightly different angle. And I think that's that. It, it, there's always that worry about what's the consistency. But actually, I I flip it the other way. I say actually, what it gives is it gives us that specialism. Right. Got it. That's 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 where it comes from. So, so finally, obviously, startup is part of the bigger British Business Bank. Yeah. Um, if you could bust one sort of misconception about the British Business Bank, what would it be? Because it's so easy to make an assumption when we hear that word bank. T- tell us what it would be. Um, so firstly, we're not a bank. Yes, that's a good one. Uh, so, so we're not a bank, and I think that's that's one of our sort of strength in the sense that we work with the industry. Right. So you're that's powering the them, and yeah. very often they're the consumer face. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. T- totally right. Thank you for being here today. And um, Thank you. where can we find out more specifically on the startup loan side? Obviously, we could Google it, but but where, where can we go? So if you go, go to uh, the finance hub with the British Business Bank, or or uh, to be honest, googling startup loans is because I'm really pleased because we're always at the top of it. So uh, yeah. Google is always our friend, but. But go to the business hub at the British Business Bank as well because it opens up a wealth of not just startup loans but a whole host of different support structures and how you can access finance. Yeah, and it, do you know, it was the finance hub that I was sort of hinting at when I was quizzing Phil Hobden because I see that a little bit like the sat-nav that yep. points you off in multiple different directions. Yep. Definitely. Hey, really appreciate your time thank today, you. Richard Behrman. Thank, thank you very much, much indeed. Nice to see you again. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, that's Richard Behrman from the British Business Bank. By the way, so startup loans, if you're right at the start of that journey, whatever you've been doing uh, before, well worth a look. So cash plus a mentor. So uh, really interesting panel. What's it got me thinking? Well, it's got me thinking, who do you surround yourself with? Who's your kitchen cabinet when it comes to all matters financial? Could you think of a broader way to think about your mentors, particularly as Emma from the KK Group was saying, keeping in touch with mentors over time, maybe very different ages to you, older or younger. But also the most stimulating thought for me was when we were talking about just having this range of accountants and banks potentially over time. It's very easy to think when it's just one, to be a bit monogamous about the whole thing, if I can put it like that. So thank you uh, for all of our guests in that particular session, our hashtag EBL2022.